Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson are brothers and business partners of the top landscaping company, Nature's Experts. Nature's Experts is home to six companies that cater to all your outdoor needs. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan, simply visit us at www.naturesexperts.com. On the podcast, Jeff and Jonathan bring together other business owners and entrepreneurs to share with you how they developed a prosperous company and how you can too. You will gain insights and meaningful advice on creating the building blocks to success and longevity in the entrepreneurial realm. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. Danny, welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Happy to have you here today. Thank you very much. Dive dive deep into the real estate consulting property management business. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be with you guys today. Well, we definitely share a lot of clients, probably, and we share a lot of synergy because obviously, you know, your property management business and consulting really is one of our services that we would perform for your customers, actually. So given that we do landscape maintenance and installations, we're actually one of, we've never worked for you, actually, but we're actually somebody who actually would actually be able to help you possibly in the future. So it, to me, it is very interesting for us to be able to have the opportunity to talk to someone new that, you know, how they actually go through this process of managing and finding people and keeping people and building their network. Absolutely. And and when I first, you know, started to learn about you guys and hear about you, that's the first thing I thought is this is a great way to network, right? We're, we're in the sure. same world. We share a client pool of, you know, upscale properties in great parts of South Florida. So I'm excited to be here today. Well, I was going to ask you, is it just upscale? Like a, a lot of the business that we do is high-end and ultra high-end. It's not the only business that we do, but it is a nice sector of our business. Like I said, high-end and ultra high-end. So what would you classify yours as? No, absolutely. I, I am all over the map. So I work with investors that have you know one and two bedroom units that don't rent for very much. And I have properties just like what you're referring to, yes. intercoastal point lots, um, where the landscaping is is a major part of it. So my bread and butter is you know typically the uh, smaller single family home or townhouse that somebody owns and decides, hey, I'm not in a position to sell it today. Maybe the market's not right, or maybe I want to keep this as a long long term investment, and they give that to me to manage. So that that's more my bread and butter. Got it. Let's start from the beginning because I feel like I probably jumped ahead just a little bit here. So, Danny, if you would please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business. Absolutely. So my name is Danny Schwab. Um, the name of my company is Key Renter Property Management. We manage, as I said, single family homes, condos, townhouses um, within all of Palm Beach County and Broward County. How long have you been doing it for? Well, property management has been has been my passion my entire life. Um, I bought my first investment property in 1994 in Chicago, and the, you know the world's changed so many times since then. Um, I moved to Florida with my family um, in 2016 and started a residential property management business. Most mm-hmm. of my career before that was owning and managing properties for myself, and I decided to take that experience here to Florida um, to work for other people. How did you get more and more clients? Is it just referrals or how did you actually, you know, produce more income for yourself with, by getting, you know, new clients? Oh, a- absolutely. And, and, you know, this is always a question that we, we think about, right? Where does our new business come from? I think mm-hmm. um, mainly it is um, at this point in my career, it is mostly referrals. You know, we obviously have a, a great online presence. 
you know, very positive reviews, I think is the number one thing for any independent business over owner is to have positive five-star reviews on Google. But for me, I'm really about networking. I'm about getting out. Um, I go to realtor events. Um, I'm in a networking group. Um, I try to meet as many people as possible that have the clients I want to meet, right? People like yourselves, you know, you guys would be an awesome referral partner for me. You know, my electrician, my, um, you know, plumbers, I get, I get referrals from them, but I also, you know, really press the flesh and go to the chamber of commerce events and anywhere I can, where, you know, the idea, like we all have, right. We want to be around high net worth individuals, right. And to be with the people they work with, the insurance brokers, mortgage brokers, and bankers. Sure. So I think that there's an interesting lesson here from that I'm kind of taking. We we almost got into it before the show started. Is that you know you're a real estate agent. Also, you have a brokerage firm. That's really not your main focus. You've chosen to take that skill that is an asset and then say you know I want to be able to help people to buy and sell their house if they want it. But my primary focus and income driver is property maintenance. And property management, not maintenance, property management specifically is a reoccurring service. Mm -hmm. So you chose to go the route of instead of a semi-reoccurring, like selling a home once every five, 10 years, whatever the cycle may be, to something where you're like, I want to be able to have that same one-time sale transaction, plus I want to add a component of reoccurringness to it for your income. Was that the thought behind it actually when you got started with doing this? You know, absolutely. So I had a, I had amassed a, a pretty good portfolio of my own going into 2008. And if you guys remember, you guys seem a little young. There's a little correction in the market back in 2008. Really? You, you said Jeff. You said Jeff was young. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, yeah, I really had to reassess what I was doing. I had a lot of investment properties. I was doing some development, and the idea of reoccurring income. And yeah. my expertise was also going to a building, deciding what was the best use of that property. What was the cost to remodel it or update it enough so you can get a great tenant, right? And not just a tenant that's going to move in temporarily, have a revolving door, but someone that's right. going to really appreciate the want property. Want to stay, yeah. Want to stay, you know, want to stay long-term. People hate to move. The older we get, moving becomes even more. So how do I do that? You know, how, how do I project that to my owners, to tenants, to everybody? It's through really, it's through hard work and working with great vendors. You know, you've got to provide an excellent product. But absolutely, the idea of reoccurring income, the idea of making a monthly management fee and making a small amount of fees on services we provide, you know, being um, being able to provide an excellent product and work with great people, is, it's, it's very positive. I'm not, I've never been very successful sitting still or working in an office. So to me, being out in the field, meeting property owners, going to identify properties for investors that live out of state, that's fun for me. Reoccurring revenue is a... Uh, I would say a pretty favorite thing of ours. That's like goes goes back an old old long time with us. We well, like reoccurring that's really revenue. Why with our business we've continued to want to grow and expand it is because it really is very reoccurring. There's also the, the idea of an enhancements, new landscape installations, and of course organic growth. Well, yeah, but you're just talking about one sector of the business. He he should probably understand. So you have your reoccurring revenue in one form, unless there's another that you can tell me about. But uh, and yet your management fees, our reoccurring revenue is like what John's saying is the landscape maintenance. And then in one of our other companies, it's the interior plantscape maintenance. So, you know, you take care of interior plants, you deliver fresh flowers every week, orchid plants, et cetera, and you just maintain them. 
And then also our pest control and fertilization business that's reoccurring also. So we've created and we have, and you know, we've acquired those businesses that are recurring and we have, you know, three different ones that do that. So it's, it's very nice. Absolutely. And it's a similar business model, right? Your clients typically pay you once a month. You provide base services for them on a monthly basis. And then obviously, as you said, enhanced services as well. For me, I look at it as multiple verticals as well as mine, right? A client for me could just be, hey, would you lease out our property on a one-time thing? We call it a lease only. We have other clients that want us to help them lease out the property and then manage it on a monthly basis, oversee vendors like yourselves, plumbers, electricians. Then we get our investor pool that wants us to identify the property, update the property so Mm -hmm. that it's then livable then maintain the property, then eventually hopefully sell the property. So for me, there's, there's many ways to work on it. And when you talk about, again, when you touch on where do you find clients and stuff like that, yeah. just like you guys, right? If you're out in the public and you're talking to people and you're proud of your services, like I can yeah. tell with you guys, you're very proud of what you do. Yes, you, do you better believe it. You do a great job. So, you know, for me, that's not selling. That's just providing a great product and you're there for, for clients and anybody that needs it. So Danny, you do say you do a great job. Why would they leave you? Why would these clients leave you? So we call it the churn rate, right? So you want to have a positive churn rate. So that people leave for many reasons. A lot of times people have to rent out their property because they can no longer afford to cover mm-hmm. their taxes, mortgage, and insurance. Mm-hmm. So they move out for a while. Maybe they switch jobs and then they want to move back to it. Um, over the last two years, we've had such an increase in real estate values in South Florida that many of our clients have decided to cash out. And use that money to uh, move to another state or use that money to um, make home improvements. So people move back into the property, people sell. And, you know, every once in a while, someone decides to move on to greener pastures for whatever reasons there are. But it's a wonderful, as you know, it's been a great real estate market in South Florida. So there's a lot of turmoil in a great real estate market. Yeah. You know, I think that it's an interesting opportunity that you're kind of opening up for real estate agents around that this is something else that, you know, the real estate business, you know, uh, Jeff's son actually is a real estate agent as well. And, you know, it starts off very slow, right? you know, and it definitely is, is hard to lose steam. So I think something that you do specifically really could be a tool to a lot of people to add verticals of something that it's, it is just, it's hard work. You're a motivated person that likes to be busy. With high energy. And if you're somebody who's a motivated person who likes to be busy, you can't make listings just like come out of thin air, right? But what you can do is that when you do get listings, you can obviously, you know, every other, every three, every five, whatever, if you could add some different verticals like you have done or whatever, is really a very positive way that other real estate agents I could see you know, really grow and develop their business in the interim, depending what their focus is. Yours was on property management. Theirs could be on uh, actual being a real estate agent. I feel like this is a really unbelievable lesson you could teach people. Well, but that's a, so that's a smart thing you're saying uh, that I think. So in other words, so what advice, Danny, would you give real estate agents, um, whoever they are and whatever age they are, if they want to have some other income that really is nice and goes along and is in synergy with being a real estate agent, how would they start a property management business? Is it that difficult to do? And how could they do that? Well, I think that for real estate agents, there's a lot of different ways to to answer this question. So for me, if I was talking to someone like your son, who's a young real estate agent, probably did pretty well over the last two years, but now they're looking at the next 12 months with high interest rates, a lot of contraction in the market and saying, well, I'm going to have a slow 12 months. So what I would do, 
my advice to them would be, let's say working with me gets interested in property management. So the first thing I talk about is my real estate referral program with realtors, my realtor referral program, right? Oh, you have one. Yeah, absolutely. Realtors, Realtors make money in leasing by getting the first, they split the first month's rent. So when I'm leasing a property, I put it on the MLS, an upscale property in Delray that we're renting out. A realtor brings me a client. We sign a lease for one year. That realtor and I split one month's rent, right? That's the realtor referral. Right, right. So for me, if I go to a young realtor and he's got clients out there that maybe over the last eight to 10 months, they were talking about selling the property. Now they feel they can't get it. So they're they're not going to sell it right Mm -hmm. now. They're not sure what they're going to do. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of stress in that world. So you you go to your client as a realtor and say, hey, let's rent out your property for one year. Let's make you money over the next year. Mm -hmm. I'll oversee that project for you. You'll get some nice rental income. Nine months from now, we can reassess the market and decide if we want to sell it. If we have a great tenant in place, maybe you want to rent it for a second year, right? Most realtors are not set up to operate a property management company. So I would take that client from the realtor. I would then give that realtor half of first month's rent. And I would lease it out for them. I'm a professional property manager, my background screening, social media background screening, everything I do to guarantee my tenant is going to be who he says he is and pay his rent on time. The realtor gets paid half a month's rent, just like they would. I will sign a contract with that realtor saying, I will never buy or sell any real estate with your client. I'm not here to steal your business. I'm here to manage the property. And what I give to the owner of that property is I give them a guarantee the tenant will stay for one year and pay the rent. If okay. not, place the next tenant for free okay. and then not charge them another leasing fee. So okay. the owner gets a guarantee, the realtor gets paid. Now the realtor and I are so-and-so partners. They're learning the, the property management business. They're using my lease that's written by an attorney, not by the Realtors Association that has no teeth. They're learning a lot about the process of how we collect first month's rent, last month's rent, and a security deposit how we provide provide to the owner uh, liability insurance of $100,000 from the tenant, all the things we do to protect the owner, to make sure that they're satisfied, that realtor has. Now the realtor starts to develop clients and investors that are interested in property management. Now the, the realtor can pitch himself, not only as a realtor, but as a one-stop shop for investors for property management. And from there, you start to learn the business. I don't think our business is the hardest business, the most intellectual business, just a lot of moving parts. And you've got to be able to have vendors, have professionals to take care of it. Well, yeah. And like you said, you have to have a contract that has teeth because you have to be protected. Right. And most, most contracts that we use as realtors from the realtor association does not have teeth. It is not there to protect the owner from tenants that Mm -hmm. might not be who they say they are. So for me, any realtor out there that's struggling right now that has clients that are unwilling to lower their price to the point it sells, talk to a professional property manager, reach out, you know, partner with somebody like me to get your clients rented. You make money, they make money. The property can then get taken off the market and put back on down the road. And I think so that's my question. Contract. So my question was not how they could work with you, although that's a really good option. My question is if that real estate agent knows how to rent, does all that, he handles all that already, he or she, whatever. Um, my question is, to any real estate agent, do right. you think it's difficult to just get clients to start managing and handling their properties for them? Being that you're a real estate agent, you kind of know how the world works there. Is it a hard thing to start up? 
I think that what is lacking in most people is the motivation to put a team together, to put forth all the effort that's necessary, right? Most of what realtors don't want to do is beat the streets. They don't want to deal with maintenance and repairs. They don't want to deal with overnight issues. So you consider yourself a you consider yourself a resource, I'm sure. In other words, you Absolutely. have your, when you say your team, you're talking about you have someone who's going to be there who you can depend on to do the AC, someone who's an electrician, someone who's a plumber, someone who's a painter, someone who everything and anything. That's part and of the team, right? Right. Those are third-party vendors. And then we have some of those vendors that work for us full-time. But right. I also have a full team of property managers. They Got go it. out and go to the property. They do the inspections. You know, realtors are very famous for putting a lockbox on the door and waiting for another realtor to go take That's it. Right. That's right. right. It's two a, different, it's a, there are two different types of people. You know, yeah. there's, there's the type of person who wants to be a realtor and sell a couple of houses a year. And it's really kind of a part-time job. Yeah. And then people that are property managers understand it comes with the territory. My phone calls are going to come between five and eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? With the occasional one that's going to be really late with the occasional one that's going to be really early. Yeah. But you're really, a lot of time you're working is when people aren't working and you have to be available. Absolutely. It doesn't mean it's every single day. It doesn't mean it's every single hour from five right. to eight I'm yeah. making this window. Yeah. But it is a different mindset of person where I think that you're kind of outlining that you know it's not something that people can't get into, but based upon how human nature is, people get into certain businesses for a reason. And a lot of people get into real estate because of sometimes the low output of time or money that you can make. And some people get into property management because of the reoccurring component, but it's a high output of time. But as you put out more time for a longer amount of time, your output actually starts to become significantly more because you have a compounding effect. Absolutely. And my point was more also to the fact that as a realtor, if you have those clients right now, and those properties aren't selling, you absolutely can turn those into rental properties as a realtor and hustle, right? What we like to say in property management is that air conditioners never break Monday at 9 a.m. Air conditioners <laughs> break <laughs> Saturday at midnight, right? Yeah. The toilet doesn't get backed up Tuesday at two o'clock when the plumber can come right over. So you have to have the resources, you have to have the team, you have to be able, as you alluded to, answer your phone and work hard. And yeah, your weekends sometimes aren't your weekends, you know? Property management is a weekend business, but I think any yeah. real estate... So is being a real estate agent if you're a full-time real estate agent. Absolutely. And I think if you want to take it to the next level, see, historically, property management was kind of the lower rung of realty. You know, realtors that did leasing or handled property management were kind of below the upscale realtors selling... It's, it's, it's changed. It's definitely Absolutely. changed. Yeah. It's almost I, something that's revered now and looked at as like... You're yeah. the key holder now. Key renter. You've... <laughs> You're like the key, you're the, I guess the key renter, like you're the key holder really for the property because you've now gained their trust. And for that person, that one person that you've made happy now, because you're a real estate agent and a property manager, you obviously, if you found that customer, you know, Danny, you would be selling them and getting all of their referrals. So that one customer that you've now found that you treat really well being a property manager, every time they want to, they have a friend that needs to sell their house, they know that. Danny here, we'll take care of them. Absolutely. And that one- John winked at you and he winked. Yeah, look at that. What does a bad day at work look like for you? Like a bad day at work? You know, a bad day at work is when, you know, 
I'd say the worst days for us in property management are a really busy beginning of the month when we have multiple move-ins. We have a previous tenant that doesn't move out when they're supposed to. We have a new tenant that's looking to move in. The, the power does not get turned on. Um, the water, excuse me, the power is easy. The water doesn't get turned on. You have a tenant move in. It's really dealing with people's expectations on the most stressful day of their life. Right. Typically moving is it. So to me, it's the fires. And when they build up and build up. The reason I'm asking is because I'm trying to decipher if it's, you know, calamities or if they're just aggravations. Sound like you just have aggravations and you could have a bunch of aggravations piled on on one day. And that's what it is. It's the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's what the, is a good, what's, what's a good day? Like not just an average day. What's a good day at work? Uh, a good day at work happened to me this week. I was introduced to a client in Texas who's got 142 properties in three different areas in South Florida. And he's been dealing with multiple different people. And the areas that he's particularly looking in are all areas that I can manage in. Um, I have Wonderful. A yeah, that's so, a good day. How did how'd you get introduced day. to this person as a referral? Um, he was not a referral. He was actually um, called a colleague of mine after reading some reviews and they passed on my cell phone number to him. So I assume he would have come to me through Google, but actually he was one step away and I was introduced to him, but um, it, taking him. Go ahead, sir. Is there a day... Um, when you're having a bad day that you ever feel like, gosh, I just, I got to get out of this business and do something else. Does that ever cross your mind? There's times where I feel like that it's too much and I'm not happy, but I've never had a moment where I felt like I wanted to do something else. And we all wish maybe that we had more sometimes that we could go sit on, go sit, go to the beach for the day. But no, I love what I do because I, I would not work well, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, I don't work well for somebody else. I don't work well um, in an office or confined to one spot. Why? Because your head's strong or because you just have your own ideas or you feel like, you know, you're better All off? Of the above. Okay. All of the above. I feel that if I go out and focus on the stuff that I want to do, that I'm going to be successful. So maybe it's stupidity or ultimate confidence or arrogance, but I've had a sex- successful career. I uh, was doing very We're gonna well. We're going to call it confidence, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. I was very successful in real estate. I got crushed in real estate in 09. And then I built back my real estate business. A lot of people say that, don't they? So I've done it twice. So at this point, there is no- A lot of people say that. Yeah. Listen, building building it back up better than what it was before, ultimately. You know what I mean? You learn from your mistakes and then you build it back up again. And then, you know, it's not a house of cards anymore. It's got a strong foundation. Absolutely. And and I think I'm ultimately piecing together- you know, from what you literally just said right then is that you, you had a business, you were doing great selling and all that stuff with properties. Yeah. And you realize that it's very volatile. I, I'm guessing that at the time you had purchased properties. And then when you got out of the properties, it just didn't, they didn't convert quite as well. Or the values dropped so low. The values dropped so significantly that I was upside I down. Out of them. You couldn't get out of them. You know what yeah. I mean? So what God. we call that in real estate is a short Underwater. sale, right? You own a property. Yeah. Now the value is much lower. So you, you sell the property back, but you're not making, you're, it's a loss. Um, so what so did you do? You just took your lumps? Yeah, I, t- I took my lumps. I, I moved out of Chicago for a while. I was fortunate enough to meet a wonderful woman and got married in California and said, hey, let's, um, I want to get back into my real estate career. I see a great opportunity in South Florida. And we moved from, uh, from where we were living in California to South Florida. Sounds like getting back in the real estate career was the right thing for you. It was the right decision. Absolutely. It's, it's always where I've, I've felt the passion, and the excitement. Um, you know, I, I've had a lot of other jobs. I've had a lot of other 
um, businesses. And it always came back to what yeah. I wanted to do. When someone's like, what's fun for you? What do you do? I love getting 20, 30, 40 listings and driving to the properties and identifying what would be the one that I would buy. You know, what would I feel right. would be the best value? Right. So from, from what happened in 08, 09, have you gotten back into really real estate investing individually or now do you do it with a group of people? It is a good question. So for me, that breaks down into two very easy ideas. I think the ultimate property to own is a property that's between, let's say, 12 and 27 units, 12 and 30 units. I think that's a very manageable property. I think if you're looking at areas, as you guys would know, maybe near east of A1A or east of, you know, around the intercoastal in South Florida. That east be- of A1A? You mean on the east side of A1A? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, east of, east of Dixie, let's say, you yeah. know, for a- yeah. Um, the east side of A1A, that's, you know, kind of in the water. Where, where I live in Palm Beach Gardens, we got a, A1A is a little bit. Right. Right, right. Like in Jupiter, I know what you're saying. Exactly. I misspoke. I yeah. misspoke. You know what I mean? So yeah. upscale areas, I'd love to own a multifamily property, you know, 12 to 24 units. I think that's a great partnership. I think getting into those deals with multiple people, therefore you're insulated when you have to replace a roof for 150000 You got to put in all new right. windows. So those are great long-term investments with partners. But I recently purchased a... Um, single family home that we're doing a $300,000 renovation, adding a master suite, adding additional bathrooms. And And do you use bank financing for that or do you use private money? Um, uh, Bank financing mostly. I really like to use equity in properties owned for, so you purchase the property through a traditional bank and then you use equity in properties you already have to update those, right? To me, the only free money we get in in the world is equity in properties we already own. We right. can take that out tax-free and use that to do additional real estate deals. Right. Smart. You're just, you know, you but you're refinancing at that time also too. So are you less inclined over this next year but because of where the to rates be are? buying a new property? Because of where the rates are? Well, yeah. Would you, that's a great question. If you're right. pulling yeah. out money from another property that's appreciated, even at this time, right. you know, pulling out but changing your interest rate really changes the dynamic of your money because- yeah. Obviously, your interest rate is indicative of ultimately your total purchase price that you actually invest into a property. Right. So what's your plan? Right. So when you look at this today in the market and you're you're taking out equity of a property that has a loan at 3% and you're taking out a new loan that's at 7%, a lot of people would look at that and say, why would you do that? That's crazy. Now, interest rates fluctuate. Two years from now, interest rates are going to come back down. Maybe it's three years. So you're taking out money at a higher interest rate. So the cost of money is higher, but inflation is also going up. So that money is worth more today than it will be next year. So to use that money to put in the bank or to sell your property, it doesn't make any sense. But if you're using that money to invest in another property, we're looking at the long-term game, right? Right. Minimum of 10 years. Interest rates go up and down over 10-year periods, right? How old are you? I just turned 49. Okay. You're so, older than him, Jeff, and he said you were young. <laughs> I want to know how you have such dark hair. That's what I want to know. You know, I, I'm very fortunate to have touch good of gray. Hair. You're fortunate because you buy touch of gray, or you're I, fortunate. I, you know, I'm just jealous, Jeff. I think it's, it might it be sounds a, like there's a little bitterness there. I think, I think so. I just found that in my tone. You can detect that in my tone. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's okay. You're looking at, at creating wealth, right? Yeah. We want to create wealth by owning real estate letting somebody else pay our mortgage taxes insurance. We keep those properties in great condition down the road. It's a win. 
I mean, that's historically the American dream, right? We well, can transfer wealth. Let, let me just interrupt you. So yeah. like in our, our businesses, for example, like we have all the properties, all the properties that we own, we occupy. So technically it's the same, it's the same thing that you're saying. The businesses have to rent from somewhere. Right. So they're paying us, they're paying the mortgage, they're paying the property taxes, they're paying the insurance, all that kind of stuff. Same thing. Just commercial, a commercial. That's commercial yeah. real estate versus residential, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So to be overly concerned about what the interest rate is can be a detriment to your growth. Well, when we look at these times with the winter of an economy that we're facing right now, high interest rates, war in Ukraine, everything's crazy, COVID in China going rampant, they're not making iPhones anymore. There's all this panic. Now we're going to see properties in upscale areas decline. Then we're going to find properties in these upscale areas that need a lot of work. Yeah. They need a roof, need new windows. Because people pool. have let them go and they, they're not making Absolutely. the repairs. The pool's yeah. a disaster and 30000 to fix the pool, people are quoting. So there's all this hesitancy. You find a great deal. You use equity in a property you have. You purchase that property. You fix it up. You turn that into a rental property that's bringing in income you refinance two years down the road, it's a blip how much money you lost on that split of interest rates paying an extra. But then you wait for the real estate market to turn around. You've rented it for the two years or three years, and then you go sell it. Or you pull out equity again at that point and you buy right. another one, right? Oh, because it's you worth know? more money. Because so it's worth a lot question, more money. My question then would be, uh, in addition to that, so ultimately the moral of that is that that's not really, as far as you're concerned, you know, you can't be worried about a short-term change increase right. or a short-term increase to change your overall outcome in 10 years. Totally agree. So then my next question would be, is you're making the same decision right now, right? You're looking at a property to purchase. Given the fact that the interest rate is so high, right? What does that mean that your cap rate needs to be now? Or does it mean that your cap rate now is going to be lower because your expectation is that in two years you're going to refinance and then it's going to be at the rate you want? Or how do you look at and look at properties in that way? Yeah, I, I think you take cap rates out and you throw them out the window. But Actually, tell me where to look. <laughs> right. So, well, so when you look at a cap rate over the last couple of years, you know, we used to look at 8% to 10% to be a great, it's a great deal if you buy it and it cash flows. Now, during the height of the pandemic, people are looking at 4% to be high, Right. Now, as we get into higher interest rates, that cap rate's going to get higher, right? There's the 1% rule too. You buy something for 100,000, it brings in 1,000 a month. So there's all these things that traditionally investors use. And those are great tools if you're buying a $7 million 80 unit property, or if you're buying a condo to see if it's a value. But if you're looking in an upscale A plus area, like where you guys are sitting right now, and you're looking at a single family home that's coveted, let's say three or four or five bedrooms. The cap rate means nothing. It's what, where are you buying it versus how much you can eventually rent it for. Not what it would rent for today. It's the add value principle, right? So you buy it, you fix it up. Now it's, you're in a great school district in an upscale area of Delray Beach. That single family home is going to rent for a, a crazy amount of money today. There's so many people that have moved into Palm Beach County. There aren't a ton of single family homes to rent for people moving here still from New York and Boston and Philly and Connecticut. Right. So right. you throw out those numbers, knowing, working with an expert like myself to show you rental values of your neighbors that have already remodeled their homes, right? It's easy to pull comps of, of different properties that are the same square footage in bedrooms, but are you looking at the comps of how new is their kitchen? Do they have granite, stainless steel? Do they have ports? Are there fancy floors? Are there a carpet? So if you can look at where the market exactly is with upscale properties and what they would rent for, 
you know that that property that you're buying and you putting money into it is going to rent for. Here's where my mind goes then, right? So obviously, you know, you're, you're looking at a property and you're obviously not throwing cap rates out the window, but you're saying to yourself, you know what? I want to get a rate of return, right? right? Your first initial thing is I'm buying something. I want to get a rate of return. And then your second one is, all right, so if I do uh, this or that, or if I even keep it the same, what does the trajectory look like for the property? And it is a little bit of a gut feeling that you have to go with of where do you think the market is trending? Why would this location be getting hotter? Are you pulling into the neighborhood right now and you see like 20 homes that are under construction? And if there's 20 homes that are under construction, that certainly means that this property value is going to be going up. And you're using that to say, you know, I think that in three years, I'm going to be able to increase the rent from a thousand to thirteen hundred dollars and have a thirty percent increase. So if I can get a thirty percent increase, who cares about my six percent interest rate? Is that right. kind of what you're absolutely and then we know that six percent interest rate, whether it's one, two, three years, is going to come back down again, right? But the point of it is that also from the interest rate perspective, is you always want equity. So who cares what your interest rate is? It's going to go up and down. But every time it gets to a certain amount where you can pull out 150, 200,000 in equity, you're going to pull it out. And then it's use the that old, money. It's the old adage, buy low, sell high. Absolutely. <laughs> your opinion is really to take on the chin, so to speak, the interest and use this time right now to buy low and then to- One day you'll sell high. Well, no. Then to when interest rates go down, no. the property right. value yeah. automatically goes up because the illusion that the property is worth well, you know, even more. if the interest rates don't go down, though, your property value still may go up before the well, interest rates go, go down. It will go down eventually. It's, yeah, so, but I'm saying it may go up before the interest rates go down. You guys are both right, but what we really want to focus on that I don't think you're saying is the add value. So you're buying this property because it has trickled down in price because it hasn't been updated. People are passing on. Well, that's what I'm saying. So the ones that get updated, so you renovate and he does that and he's saying those command now more than ever, those command the most money. So in other words, whatever you buy, he's saying you really need to renovate. You really need to make it like a primo. Well, so then- As you guys know, when you see a primo property that's already been updated, it is- Yeah, it's like moving. I mean, people are like, I'll pay because they just don't want to even go through the aggravation. And then they also don't want to live in a place that they feel is below their sort of, you know- Absolutely. And you put yourself in the mindset of a wealthy person relocating from uh, New York or Boston or one of these cities to come down and say, okay, I want to meet a Florida contractor. I want to spend a year going through permits and renovations and buying materials. Nobody wants to deal with that unless that's what you're comfortable doing. You've got kids, you've got your own business. Yeah. You want to move down here into a rent ready property where your neighbors all have beautiful homes and everything's gorgeous. So you throw out. It's so true. It's, it's so true. What you're you saying. guys are in the field every day. You know what it's like to pull into an upscale community and see pickup trucks and cement mixers. And you can't even get through to the house you're going to because there's so much construction in certain communities. Listen, just looking, just looking at the landscape, if you pull up to a house and there's curb appeal and the place looks really presentable and the landscaping looks really nice, you're already set for being like, oh my gosh, I can see myself living here. This is so lovely or you know, whatever. And a lot of times you pull up to some of these houses, even if it's like a really expensive house or something, and it looks like shit from the outside and Absolutely. it's sort of like a turnoff. Absolutely. Would, would this mean like how I'm hearing this information is that you're really saying that this next particular wave as interest rates are higher, you think that the better value is that the home prices are going to be coming down, but the value for a nice, clean, move-in ready home is still going to keep remaining high. 
it might not be, you know, the actual house value high, but the rent portion might be high. So if someone's selling the actual house, it's not going to sell in a week anymore. Right. It's not going to sell in two. Right. So your home price is going to stay is down. Right. So if you buy a, a mediocre home and you upgrade, you think you still can get the high demand and rent. Is that kind I of- I do. But, but also to take it to another level is when I'm saying you go into this upscale community and there's all these beautiful homes. And then you see the one over there with the horrible landscaping, like the Wicked Witch of the West has been living yeah. there. And it's yeah. got the fake weird brick on it. And it's Every got- Every street has one. <laughs> right, right. It's, Every it's, street it's, has one. Right. So, so, then you take, so you take that, that everybody else has passed on because it's too much work. And you get that at a deeper discount because we're going into the winter of economy. So you're getting that at a great deal. And then you can make that just to match all the other beautiful homes in the air. Listen, you're not saying anything that's not- like the particular thing you're saying is very smart, but it's funny. We all kind of know this, you know, that you right. want to buy in like the nicest community, the, the worst looking house in the nicest yeah. community, because right. there's so much room to make it. But nicer. I think his advice though, specifically though, is spot on in the sense of everyone is right when everything is all good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like last year, anyone who's in, in real estate, everyone's a fucking expert. Yeah. You're not really an expert just because you, you bought your house three years ago and right. you made $150,000. It doesn't mean you're an expert. That just means you're lucky. That's right. what the economy was. Right. And moving forward, you know, I think that there are every couple of years, every not couple of years, but you know, every decade, every five years, there is a major opportunity zone that everyone gets the opportunity to get, which is, I think, what we had. And the thing is, then you you know make your regular money, and then the opportunity will happen again on that bubble, and you have to make sure to capitalize on it. Yeah, two things I just want to quickly say. When you look at just the cap rates and numbers, you're forgetting that the, the equity in the property is what you all want. And equity is very hard to measure for the future. And that's what you end up with, is the equity not getting stuck on the numbers of what it is today. And secondly, just because that house is in that great community and it's it's a dog right now, it doesn't mean you should buy it. You know, you should still deal with real estate professionals, um, professional inspectors, and make sure you're not buying something that's a teardown and not something you can't rehab, right? Yeah. A lot of times you see clients buying properties and we get in there and it's it's too far gone. There's oh no, it, there's a methodology to it because yeah. exactly you can get yourself into somewhere like, oh, I got this like dump and look, I can renovate it, but you don't right. realize it's a dump, but it's like right. a far gone, dilapidated, yeah. completely like over with dump. <laughs> the money pit, as we like. Yes, to right. Say, right. Yes, right. Yeah. And that's where you really need to rely on professional. And I think touching on realtors again is that it's a great opportunity for realtors that want to get out there and hustle and want to make cold calling, right? It's almost like a thing I think with the generation below me, the newer realtors in their 30s, they think it's all technology-based or, you know, get online and it's lead generation. And you, still have to, you still have to physically like get the fuck out there. Absolutely. Yep. My yep. thing to realtors is call every for sale by owner out there that you see. Stop by the house, send, you know, come by, drop off flowers and say, hey, I just like to hear about what issues you have selling. What issue? I do this. What issues you have renting? Do you need any advice? What problems have you had? Do you have a you know a bad tenant? I think as a realtor or a property manager, if you go to people that aren't professional and you ask them, not trying to get their business, just talk to them about what their struggles are, and if you give them advice, I think all of that there's comes a chance, back. and then there's a chance that you get the business. That's what I think you saying. get the business twenty percent of the time, and I think yeah. those numbers are way. You too go to low. ten houses, you get two. You get two. I think that's unbelievable advice. And I think this conversation has been excellent. I think that you've really added uh, a lot of value to me personally. I think you've also added a lot of value to anyone who's in the real estate industry or obviously looking forward 
into what's possible with this next you know climate of home remodeling, renovation, purchasing, renting, yeah. owning, and equity. Uh, so I really would like if everyone can get your information so they can connect with you because I think that you are a great resource that yeah. is really a unicorn in the sense of you know you're not looking to just make a transaction happen. You're looking to make sure that you have a long-term healthy customer that has a good long-term plan. I can just tell that that's what you're in business for and how you look at things. Like you said, it's a little different. You're not like by literally telling somebody you can throw the cap rate out the window. Some people live and die by that, which I think it definitely is a good indicator, but it's not the only indicator. You know, you obviously have to have your threshold of like, you know, how much extra cash do you have? Um, you know, how much equity you're going to have when you put down the property, what risk are you willing to take, what real, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff, but it's not the only thing. So I'd love it. Uh, Danny, if you can give everyone your information and they can reach out to you if they ever have any questions. Absolutely. So in, in you know, either website is great for us, but we're at keyrentersouthflorida.com and we're at keyrentersfortlauderdale.com. Um, my name is Danny Schwab. Um, would love to talk to anybody. And Hey, to me, it's about karma. It's about giving back giving out positive energy. People come to you with all kinds of issues and problems. I love, I love to help people, you know, especially people that are first time or second time, you don't need me as your property manager, happy to help you grow your, your portfolio. And you hopefully I can tell they do need, they do need you actually. Cause you know what? I think just from this conversation, you know, you're not, you're not a salesman, you know, you are somebody who's looking He's to, looking to edu- you're looking to really educate. to yeah. help people find the best possible solution. And and listen, you're allowed to make money in it. That's what we're all in it but, for. But a lot of these people, like what he's saying is if if they don't need him, he's hoping that if he gives them the information, uh, plain spoken and just educates them that maybe they will eventually be like, hey, remember that guy that was just like willing to help? Maybe I can, you know, right. well, that, now we have now five for me to use him. So yeah. a year, two years, three years down the road, you know? Right, and then they have five properties and then someone's right. coming the broken toilet. Right. Like, they, like they've done well, they've expanded. They did one, two, three, and now they feel like they need him because they've- Absolutely. And you know, I just want to say, it's really a pleasure to meet you guys. I think that we have a lot of synergy, as you said, from the jump. I'd love to meet you guys for a coffee or take you to lunch. And of course. We network together. I have a lot of clients that are in need of your services. Sounds Sound, great to me. Sounds fantastic. Awesome. Danny, thank you again for joining us on the Cultivating Success Podcast. It was a pleasure to have you here today. I really appreciate nice to meet it, you. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thank you guys very much. This has been the Cultivating Success Podcast with Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan and their businesses, visit www.naturesexperts.com.